I'm Dr. Tagrid, your friendly child psychiatrist. And this is a space for young people, families, and professionals who want to understand neurodiversity and mental illness in the simplest of terms. Join me for 30 minutes of expert advice, simple science, and practical knowledge. Please be aware that some episodes may feature triggering topics about trauma, suicide, and self-harm. If you feel triggered by some of this content, please seek help and support immediately. The show notes contain a list of helpful support organizations in the UK. If you or your child are seeking mental health help, you need to know what the different professional titles out there mean so you know who to ask for help with what. You probably should also know what help should ideally look like. So in this episode, I'm going to bust some jargon and walk you through what different professionals do. So I'll start from the very beginning with what the difference is between psychologists, psychiatrists, and psychotherapists. I'll also tell you what different kinds of each are and what they do. And I'll tell you what an assessment should look like, particularly for children and young people. I'll also tell you what diagnosis means in psychiatry and what the term formulation means. So let's get started. I'll start with what a psychologist is. A psychologist is a person who studied the science of psychology, which is the science of how the mind works. Some psychologists, after graduating, will train to become clinical psychologists. Clinical psychologists can go on to either specialize in particular types of therapy, and sometimes they call themselves psychotherapists. Some will go on to specialize in delivering tests. These are called psychometric tests. So, for example, an IQ test or testing someone's intelligence is called a psychometric test. Particular tests that are done for ADHD or ASD are called psychometric tests. So, some clinical psychologists will specialize in this area particularly. Some will do multiple types of tests and multiple types of therapy and will do like a bit of both. Psychotherapists are not psychologists. So some psychotherapists actually have a background in occupational therapy or social work or other kinds of associated paramedical specialties like nurses, for example, can train as psychotherapists. In the UK, you might hear the term mental health professional, which kind of describes people who have a background other than nursing or medical and continue to work in mental health after they complete their original training. The short and long of it, psychotherapists can be psychologists and can be other professionals by background. Psychologists can do psychotherapy, they can do tests, and they can do both. Now, what are psychiatrists? Psychiatrists like me, are your run-of-the-mill doctors. We train as doctors and then after we graduate, we go through basic training to learn about psychiatry. And psychiatry focuses on mental health, how the mind works. 
in my case, I am a neuropsychiatrist. So I also, in my basic training, did some neurology. So I have training in how the brain works. So in this world, we differentiate between the actual physical brain and the mind, which is an internal experience of how your brain works. So for example, illnesses of the brain can be epilepsy or it can be a tumor or a um, MS is a difficulty, is, is an illness of the brain, whereas illnesses of the mind can be depression or it can be bipolar disorder or psychosis. Now, once you've trained as a basic psychiatrist, you can go on to specialize in a, in a particular branch of psychiatry. People like me specialized in children and adolescent. We specialize in looking after kids between the age of zero to 18. In some countries, child and adolescent psychiatrists will go on up to 25. Adult psychiatrists work from the age of 18 to the age of 65. And then you have old age psychiatrists who look after people from the age of 65 onwards. There is some niche specialties out there like perinatal psychiatry. These guys specialize in looking after mothers-to-be or um, women who've just given birth. Intellectual disability psychiatrists specialize in looking after people with moderate to severe learning difficulties or intellectual disabilities. Neuropsychiatrists like me, like I said, will specialize in looking after people who have mental health difficulties as well as neurological difficulties. So for example, I'll see people who have a background in seizures or tics. ADHD counts as um, a difficulty in neuropsychiatry as well. And the last one is medical psychotherapists. So you probably, if you're based in the UK, you'll hear that term. And medical psychotherapists are psychiatrists who go on to specialize in a particular branch of therapy. So all psychiatrists are trained in talking therapies, but medical psychotherapists will have more in-depth training in talking therapies. How do these guys work to help you or your kid? The first step is whoever you're seeing, they're supposed to assess you. Then they come up with an idea of what is going on for you. That is, you know, a diagnosis and a formulation. Then they offer you a management plan. And that's kind of the gist of it. That is ideally a collaborative process. So you're supposed to be part of how they think about your difficulties, what diagnosis you're given, what this means, and what the management plan is or the treatment plan is. So for example, when I see patients, I'm either seeing them fresh and with no background information. That often happens more in private clinics. Or I'm seeing people in the NHS, which is the National Health Service here in the UK. And in these cases, I probably will have more background information. Either way, I make no assumptions and I listen to what is going on from their perspective. Now, from that point, you have full ownership of how you tell that person about your experience. What you expect is for a clinician to listen to your point of view. We also listen to the points of view of whoever you choose to be part of your of your treatment. So for example, your family or your carers. 
that offers us kind of a bird's eye view of what is going on for you and for them. In my practice, I ask very specific questions to assess for certain things. So that includes questions about physical health, for example. Now, that is where the medical training helps because doctors will be looking at physical health problems that might be contributing or causing the problem that you come with. I sometimes stumble on physical health problems that are unrelated to the issue, you know. At that point, I either already know what is going on you know, in causing your problem, or I have an idea about what I want to do next. So sometimes from that first meeting, you can get a diagnosis and a formulation. And sometimes it takes a couple of meetings. Sometimes it also takes a couple of psychological tests, or it can take some physical tests as well. Sometimes I need to talk to schools or colleges about my patients, specifically in children and young people, kids spend a lot of time in schools and it's really important to get the perspective of people who come in contact with them at schools. Not just that, but also to get an idea of what the difficulties are at schools. So schools can be very, very stressful for people at this age and or at any age, really. It's a very stressful environment, often very crowded. And you want to get an idea of how it works for them and how they're functioning in that environment. Sometimes I or one of my colleagues will go and observe kids at school. And the reason I say I or some uh, or one of my colleagues is that you often get someone who's never seen your child observing them at school because we're very mindful that we don't want to affect how they behave. So if I see a child or young person, I probably will not do their observation. I'll ask someone else, um, someone else to go and see them at school and see how they're coping at school. Generally, that's how a psychiatrist will assess you in order to give you a diagnosis and a formulation. Now, if you are seeing a psychotherapist, they'll probably do things very similarly to, um, to this without the medical scope. The simple way to think about this is that psychiatrists are trained in medical aspects, psychological aspects, and have kind of a holistic overview of things. So they can think with you as well in terms of management about medication and psychotherapy. Psychologists are more in-depth trained in psychological uh, sciences, so they probably think more in terms of talking therapy as a way of treatment. And they also think more about specific um, psychological diagnoses rather than psychiatric diagnoses. And, and, and this might sound a bit complex, but the way that they, that psychologists are trained helps them think about difficulties in a very different way than psychiatrists can. And that's why ideally you'd have a team that has both helping you. So a psychiatrist and a psychologist and other disciplines as well to get that um, overview. So let's talk about diagnosis and formulation. Now, in psychiatry, we have two standard um, sort of Bibles of diagnosis. And that's basically a big list of diagnoses or um, kind of titles with specific criteria and symptoms for each diagnosis. So, for example, you have a list of symptoms under 
what classifies as um, depression and what qualifies as a bipolar disorder, uh, what qualifies as ADHD. Now, these two Bibles are called the DSM-5, which is American, and the ICD-11, which is produced by the uh, World Health Organization, the WHO. The numbers 5 and 11 indicate the edition numbers. That's not that's that's nothing fancy. It's just there's been five editions of the DSM and 11 editions of ICD-11. And they tend to get renewed every few years, depending on research and depending on what um, developments have happened in the branch. So these two standardized manuals are are just international. So if you get a diagnosis in Brazil, your doctor in Saudi Arabia can understand what the diagnosis means. So they're very important. It's very important that doctors around the world more or less will use these manuals because that helps communication. As a person who's not a psychiatrist and is not trained in mental health flick through these manuals, you'll see that these criteria sound very loose and they might apply to a lot of people. So think about how psychiatry works. There is no specific objective test. There's no x-ray. Diagnosis depends very much on clinical expertise. So this is why we tend as psychiatrists to have a large experience of seeing many people kind of to fine tune our clinical skill and picking up and differentiating symptoms. So even though we do have standardized tests with scores and numbers and a degree of reliable research behind them, a lot of, uh, of psychiatry is really quite clinical in how we diagnose symptoms. And it's very dependent on um, the assessment by a clinician. So this is why the culture in, in psychiatry is to use multidisciplinary teams. This is a fancy word for professionals working in groups. So psychiatrists working with psychologists, working with nurses and occupational therapists and getting that multiple viewpoints in cases. So that helps teams to get multiple perspectives, multiple experiences, kind of um, collaborating to try and get it right. Mental health professionals tend to use something called peer supervision. So even if you haven't seen the entire team of people, there's a fair chance that your clinician is going to discuss the case with either another clinician or multiple clinicians to get their input as well. So it's not just going off a checklist, if that makes sense. It's more of a, an understanding of what the difficulties are with you specifically or your child specifically, and then going away and having a think about what's the best term to describe this in terms of, uh, of a symptom, and then where does it fit in the manual? We use diagnosis to kind of describe or lend a headline or a title. So I'm going to talk a little bit about diagnosis in a future episode and why it's really important and what the difficulties are specifically in children and young people. But the short and long of it is that diagnosis in psychiatry is the headline. It's the title that describes what is going on for you right now. Formulation is the summary underneath the title. So 
A formulation is a description of all the things that have led you to this point. It should outline the likely physical health and genetic causes. It should outline what the environmental factors are, things like um, upbringing, social circumstances, family dynamics. It should give a bit of a description of what the background is. It should also give a bit of a description of what events might have triggered the difficulty that is going on right now. The formulation adds a narrative the diagnosis and describes all of the complex aspects of your story or your child's story. And formulation and diagnosis are kind of a live dynamic thing. So as you continue to work with your clinician, they get to know you and your diagnosis and formulation might be updated. Children and young people specifically, we tend to keep diagnosis tentative. So we're watching things unfold often with children and young people. You're watching things happen in real time because that's where most difficulties will start developing. And that's why our colleagues in adult psychiatry are often more stable in their diagnoses. So their diagnoses are more stable in that it's less likely to change with time. Whereas with children, young people, we tend to change diagnoses um, and formulations as we watch this young person blossom and develop. Sometimes the act of getting help early might in itself change the course of, of the difficulties and what's going on, if that makes sense. You know, so sometimes just by getting help, instead of fulfilling the criteria for a diagnosis, you just, you just don't get better. So often I tell children, young people and their families that diagnoses are tentative and formulation is really the main thing that we use to kind of des- describe what is going on. So it's more of a narrative for children and young people. The objective of a diagnosis though, so, so why do we still give kids diagnoses? The objective of a diagnosis is to have a descriptor, a description of what your needs are, what is going on for you that is very clear and is mobile. So if you move doctors, if you move services, if you move countries for that purpose, you still have a clear diagnosis that you can use to access help elsewhere. In in places where you have national health services, like here in the UK, diagnosis can mean you have certain access to certain services or you're excluded from certain services. Sometimes having a diagnosis can mean you have access to funds or certain support systems. Um, Diagnosis is also helpful in education because it allows teachers to know how to help your child. So it's very helpful to tell teachers, for example, if a child has an autism spectrum condition or ADHD, they they kind of know what to do. They have a a scheme for how to deal with these um, diagnoses day to day. And it helps the network around the child support them. The same goes for university. The same goes for um, if you're getting a diagnosis of ASD, for example, and you're going into work, it's really then helpful to tell your occupational health service about this diagnosis. So diagnosis can help you tell the wider system, well, you know, in short, these are my needs. Diagnosis also helps point you in the direction for research and evidence around treatment. 
So you know what treatment guidelines to follow, for example, and what research to look at. Because what you're saying is that out of a hundred people who have the same symptoms and meet the same criteria as me, for example, 70 people responded to this particular treatment. So if the evidence is good enough from that research, the treatment becomes recommended in guidelines. So the research comes first and then larger organizations, which is basically a massive group of scientists and doctors come together and think about the evidence in terms of their clinical experience as well. And they'll say, okay, fine, that's approved as a guidelines. We're telling doctors everywhere that, you know, this research is trustworthy. Do this as step one, do this as step two, do this as step three. And you've got two big guidance bodies, one in the US and one in the UK. And some countries might have their own guidance dependent on where you are. But more or less, treatment guidance doesn't tend to differ massively from each, from, from country to another. It's more or less the same because more or less they rely on the same body of evidence. Some panels will give more weight to certain evidence, but essentially there is no conflict. There's nothing odd or weird about how um, different countries practice psychiatry and recommend treatments. So now we've chatted, we've done some tests, we agreed to diagnosis, we agreed to formulation. Now comes the point of discussion. You should expect that your clinician will discuss guidance. They'll discuss the evidence for what they think the treatment that's most helpful is. Sometimes there are options for you to think about. Once you agree a plan, you expect your clinician to start on it and start delivering that treatment. And we generally tend to to review things as we go along to kind of see if things are going in the right direction, if we've got it right. Sometimes you try something and it doesn't work and it leads you to rethink the whole diagnosis, rethink the whole formulation. Sometimes I've had cases where we stop and say, okay, maybe, okay, that, that didn't work. Let's just go back and, and listen to the story again. Let's, let's go through all of the stuff that we did again and think, think through a different lens. And like I said, it's a, it should be a collaborative process. It should be a discussion rather than a one-sided, I know what's wrong with you. This is what should happen. In this episode, we discuss a lot of things. We discussed what the different professions are, the difference between a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and a psychotherapist is. We discussed what assessment means. We discussed what diagnosis means and what formulation means. We touched a little bit on what treatment guidance is and what that means. In the next episode, we'll talk a little bit about what different treatments mean what types of talking therapies are out there, and what kind of medicines are out there. We'll touch a little bit on how talking therapies work for children, young people. Thank you for joining me today. Remember to check the show notes for helpful resources and support. If you enjoyed listening, subscribe to our channel and get notified about the latest episodes. This is Dr. Tagrid, wishing you well.